Apparently it is uh, quite a while since I was last here. Uh, Nicola is claiming was at least 10 months, but I'm sure we just missed each other uh, en route. But it probably is uh, four months maybe since I was last here. Jez has been subtly trying to cut me out of everything and uh, take me out of the preaching rotor and I said, enough! No, I didn't actually know, it's just how, how things have worked out. It is great to be with you. Um, many familiar faces, many new faces, and it's good to uh, just to greet you and welcome you. As John introduced myself, my name is Graham. I privilege of leading the team that uh, leads the church, which is King's Church. Now, I know that we're in a transition here with, re- with regards to what is uh, taking place in Seaford. This building is going to get bought one of these days. Do you know that? Okay, that we're in faith that one year or two, that uh, the building that uh, you've been incredibly generously donating towards. Uh, we're working throughout all the practicalities, and hopefully we can get moving on that very shortly. Just to also mention, when John talked about uh, bringing our offerings, overspilling and blessing the community, this community is increasingly generous, and uh, even just on a financial offering level, a month-by-month basis, I don't know if you're aware of this, that you've probably given some I can't exact figures. It's somewhere between... Eight and ten thousand pound over what was budgeted for this year. Okay, so all of that eight or ten thousand has now been going helpfully into uh, the building plot, the you know building funds. So thank you. It makes a difference because you know the building is not for you. Okay, you, I hope you have got that. That the building that you're investing heavily into uh, is not for you at all. It's for the people who are not yet here. And we need to be remaining right at the front and center. This is not a, a family home that we close the door and we lock ourselves in. This is a family home. Now, what we're doing is we're opening up the doors and we're welcoming people in. Do you know what the real challenge is when we're talking about welcoming? I reckon we can be very friendly. Okay? The difficulty come is going from friendly to friendship. Okay? That, that's, that's, the, that's the next big challenge. Okay? For a church community to be friendly is one hurdle. Okay? And it's actually hugely important uh, you know, and, and if you are just in here exploring spirituality, Christianity, and stuff like that, we want you to absolutely feel at home. I, I like the sign that says, welcome home. We want you to feel that you have walked into home. We can be friendly. It's really important to be friendly. Uh, you know, exceptionally important to do that. Uh, I arrived in a building. Am I allowed a tea? I kinda, do I have to pay for the drink? Where do I go? I have no idea. Who's leading people through? Okay, people are great moment you come into the car park, excellent to see you, go this way, the welcome team, go this way, I walk into the building, I haven't been, you know, imagine this is my first visit, do I know where I'm going, these people into the cafe area, having the drinks, can I go and get a drink, am I going to be feel, you know, it's a very strange environment to come into church, the barbers, for the very first time. And uh, we have to be very intentional about that. We've got to remember, to, because the danger is that we just take ourselves away and we'll just gather with the people that we know and uh, we'll just lock into a conversation and someone can stand there and can feel very isolated and alone, even in the middle of a crowd. And I don't want that to be the case. I want people to feel very much at home and welcome home. So I know you're getting it. Let's move from friendliness to friendship. When you move from friendliness to friendship, that takes a huge amount. That's a whole new level of commitment uh, that you're moving into wanting to say, you know, I'm allowing you into my life. This cold climate, 
culture and warm climate culture that's John and Zizi mentioned. It's really interesting that uh, many of us uh, have grown up into a UK context, which is, I guess, this not just physically weather-wise cold climate, but actually uh, we'll be precise, we'll like timings, we'll, we'll, we'll like order, we'll like structure. It's, that's what is being described as cold climate. Whereas actually what is warm climate is, uh, is about embracing and welcoming and, and, and coming into an environment where people feel at home. So let's keep going for that. Let's do all we can because that is going to make the massive difference. Now, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> Although I'd love to talk about that. Let's just scrap what you're doing. Blueprints. I'm sure it's coming up somewhere. Uh, Jez has asked me to come in and, and speak on Blueprint just to confuse. Like John was slightly confused with the notices. Apparently 29th of June doesn't exist as a Sunday. So I don't know whether that is when you're taking place. But you know, July? It's the 29th of June, it's just not a Sunday. Okay, anyway. Uh, and the reason why there's no cards from good authorities is that they're getting reprinted because there was the wrong date, the 24th of June, and that's why they're not here available because it happens to be an England football match playing that afternoon. And uh, so that was the reason why it was changed. Okay, so we're into this teaching series called Blueprint. Just to confuse you, I was meant to be doing week four, but I'm going to do week six. Okay, and Jez on week five is going to do week four and somebody else will do week eight on week seven. Okay, so it'll be fine. We'll get there. So I'm going to be looking at this subject, which is just called salt, a blueprint. What does a spirit-filled, world-obedient community of God look like on earth? Just to, you know, that's what we're going to be looking at. So the Bible passage coming up, familiar, if you're a Christian, with Matthew chapter 5. Okay, if you're not familiar with the Bible, these are words spoken by Jesus uh, when he was, uh, he was speaking to a whole thousands of people on a hillside one day, and he was giving them instruction about what the kingdom of God looks like. And he said this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Have you noticed it appears to be increasingly difficult uh, to uh, live in this increasingly secular society? Have you noticed uh, they're trying to airbrush Jesus out. And then you get moments like in the royal wedding, which, by the way, on Friday, I was completely not interested in it at all. And then come Saturday, it's like, oh, there's a royal wedding. And listening to uh, the bishop preach, and suddenly the, how captivating he was and how the nation seems to have gone crazy about this preacher who has preached because he's now demonstrating something of the life about what Christianity is. It's so tough in this increasingly airbrushed out society of faith, okay, to know how can we, if you're a teacher, how can we teach? If you run a business, how can you run a business? Uh, how do I relate to others? What can I now say to others which doesn't cause offense? Where do I live? Which school should I send my kids to? What do I say if I say anything? Should I speak up? Should I stay silent? Or should I take the easy option and hide myself away? It is tough as a Christian. It's easy. What are you doing, mate? Okay, anyway. No, no mention. It's fine. So, um, 
So it's inc- <laughs> sorry, completely distracted me. A few weeks ago, I was preaching in Eastport, and there was uh, PJ and Sally were on the front row, and the kids had just gone, and they were playing or redressing the Barbie dolls on the front row, and it was just reminding me of that. So anyway, so we're living in a society today that is trying to say, hey, you can't live like this, you can't say this, you can't do this anymore, and, and we're trying to work it out as faithful Christians how to be obedient to what God is saying and yet integrate in society. Is that a difficulty? Are you finding that attention? I'm finding that as attention. So I'm going to start off by asking you a question, okay, and interaction, and you can chat to the person next to you. A or B, multiple choice, A or B. Let's put up the two options. Which do you feel most comfortable about? As a Christian, I should assimilate, adapt, conform, merge to the culture in which I live. Or option B, as a Christian, I should separate, detach, isolate, remove myself from the community in which I live. Discuss with a person next to you which you feel as a statement most comfortable with. Okay, A or B. Okay, it's the end of the quiz. Option A, option B. Who feels, okay, please don't be awkward, I'm embarrassed, okay, who feels most comfortable by choosing option A? Okay, who feels most comfortable in choosing option B? Who feels uncomfortable in choosing A or B? Okay, because the problem is, as Christians, we want to do A and B without compromising on the other. So, is there an option C? Okay, so I don't know if you're familiar, over across in Eastbourne, Kings across there at the moment, have been doing a teaching series uh, called Exile. Uh, based in Old Testament book of called Daniel. And here we had a group of people who were taken out of Jerusalem and physically uh, forced to migrate to Babylon. Uh, this is like about 600 BC. King Nebuchadnezzar was building an empire and he took out the most influential people out of that in, and put them into Babylon with a view that take the most influential people, retrain them, enculturate them with Babylonian culture and then we can bring the, other, uh, the rest of the population along later on and use these key people to influence everyone else. Someone called Daniel and his three mates, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, uh, they, they were part of that crowd that were taken across. And Daniel had this situation where he was a monotheistic, I believe in one God only, was taken across into a culture which had many beliefs, many, uh, a whole different way of life. And Daniel wanted to remain true to what he believed. At the same time, he was having to live in an environment which was a conflict with how he personally believed. So a similar situation, uh, 800 or a couple of thousand years later, how do we live as a devout believer in a pluralistic society? Do we engage with it? Do we withdraw from it? I think Daniel, even in the context as we're looking at being, what does it mean to be salt? What does it mean to be light? I think the book of Daniel actually in this context is actually really helpful, which is why I said to Jez, can I switch around and talk on salt rather than on the city, which I was doing about because I've just been living in the book of Daniel. Now, John, a few moments ago, was going to be quoting out of Jeremiah, chapter 29. He just ran out of time to do that. 
Daniel needed a blueprint. He wanted to know, how do I live out my life? I'm in exile. I'm living in this place which I don't want to necessarily be living in. How do I, I don't like what is going on. How do I live it out? And he needed a blueprint. There was people at the time who were speaking into those who were living in exile. One of those was a man called Jeremiah. Now, a little bit of backstory on Jeremiah, if you can keep with me. In chapter 28 of Jeremiah, there was a prophet who spoke up in the name of God called Hananiah. Hananiah, he said, keep yourself out of Babylon. Don't enculturate. Don't be part of the culture. Uh, okay, stay out of the city. God's judgment is coming on the city. Don't connect yourself with it. Stay away from it. King Nebuchadnezzar, within two years, he'll be flattened. The cities will be flattened. Everything within this, it will go because God's judgment is coming on it. And Jeremiah stood up and said, that isn't the word of the Lord. Okay, and, and to prove it's not the word of the Lord, within the year you, Hananiah, you'll be dead. And two months later, Hananiah died. I guess he got his uh, attention. You know, people were then very attentive to what Jeremiah was going to say. And he said, now then, this is what God says in Jeremiah 20, 29. Thus says the Lord of the hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Okay, really important. Okay, going to come back to whom I have sent. When we're looking at the history of the exile, we go, this is awful. These people have been forcefully removed from their land and taken to Babylon and now forced to do this. Look, whom I have sent from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build your houses and live in them. Plant your gardens and eat their produce. Take the wives, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. How do we live in a secularized, pluralistic, many-belief society that is insisting on things like tolerance and adherence and acceptance to everyone is equally valid in their view? Sound familiar? That is what Daniel was having to live. That is where we are living right now, and it's how do we live? Do we completely adapt and merge ourselves with the culture or do we go on this way and go do you know what I'm going to keep myself separate from it because I do not want to be uh, stained by the world in which we're living in or is there a middle line within that we need to see the bigger picture I sent you into exile don't move out move in don't move out don't separate yourself out isolate yourself out what, what the instructions here is don't move out but move yourself in it was my plan that you lost your cultural voice. It was my plan that I have taken away your influence. It was my plan to renew you and to change the city. It's my plan to get my word out into this unbelieving world. Therefore, don't move out, but move in. It's my plan for you to move into the hostile community and change from within, in effect, to redeem a broken community. And my observations is that there's a lot of things happening in society right now which I don't like, which I don't think is very godly, but it might just be God's bigger plan that this is where we are right now to make a difference. This is our time. Not to move out, but to move in. We might be at conflict. We might be at odds where we are. A natural reaction 
often would be to safeguard ourselves. Bringing a child up now and putting them into a school system, it, it, my natural reaction is wanting to safeguard and to protect my child. I understand the difficulties now. Uh, I, I see it within the parents who are struggling, going, which secondary school should I put my child? I do not like the values that are being taught within the schooling education structure right now. So I can understand why there is a, maybe a drive towards let's safeguard and let's protect ourselves, but we need to ask ourselves, is actually this part of the bigger question? Don't move out, move in. We've been sent. We need to see the importance of that. We are sent people for this time, for this town. Seaford, New Haven, Sea Haven. Dave Smith, who leads a church up in Peterborough called Kingsgate, uh, I was at a conference a few weeks ago and he was speaking and he, and he said this, if you don't love the place where you live, you'll never reach the people. God has placed you there for a reason. Okay? If you don't love the place you live, you'll never reach the people. God has placed you there for a reason. And the reason why you're trying to buy, and we together are trying to buy a building half a mile down the road from here, is so that we don't find a safe place for us to come into, but we have a wide open door for people who are not yet here to come and be a part of what's going on. And secondly, we need to see that there's another way. The instruction by Jeremiah to the, those who are living in exile, build houses and live in them, plant your gardens and eat their produce. That is all about assimilating yourself into the culture. Bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. So that is all about maintaining and multiplying a distinct identity. That is a really difficult tension. Move in, be deeply involved, influence economically, culturally, socially, spiritually, be salt. Okay? At the same time, live a distinct, Distinctive lifestyle, bring contrast, don't confirm, conform. That is about being light, being salt, being light. See, darkness isn't the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. Okay, we need to be, where there is absence, we need to bring what isn't there. Something distinct, something unique, something that contributes, something that adds into the darkness. And that is a really tough balance. Jeremiah said, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Two instructions, okay? Seek the welfare. That, that you know, your translation might say, Seek the peace or seek the shalom. Uh, the word shalom is, is not just this greeting of peace. It's much, much broader than that. It's about every aspect of your life. We want there to be well-being, physical well-being, economic well-being, spiritual well-being, okay? Basically, what it's saying is we want the absolute best for the place in which we're living in. So I want to see the absolute best for Seaford. I want to see the absolute best for Chingford. I want to see the absolute best for the bit that lies in between Seaford and New Haven, which I can't remember its name. You see? I want the absolute best, best for Bishopstone. Do what we can. Do all we can. Do all we can for this town and this community because we want it to be the best community so that it, it blossoms, it flourishes. So that means about being in every sphere. I love the idea of being out on the wreck in a few weeks' time to be part of building community, the first weekend in June and the first weekend in July because that is what you say. Do you know what? We want the best for this community. See, don't just go around tucked up criticizing, shouting judgment from the sidelines. Instead, let's get in and do everything we can to make it great. 
do what we can to make Seaford, New Haven, and the bit in between the best it possibly can be. Okay, now, we're going to need wisdom. Okay, there's going to be some real tricky challenges about that because, because there's some practices in the world today which are going to conflict with our biblical worldview. Okay, and, and some of you are going to be in employment situations and there's going to be demands upon you that, you, that are going to require you to fulfill the law which are going to stand in conflict with biblical value. And as a Christian, as a bunch of Christians, we're going to have to work each one of those and we're going to have to look at them all and try and work out an answer as to what is root C. See, as a Christian, our authority is the Bible, the Word of God. Okay, it's not the culture of the day. Uh, the Bible, that's the authority. The culture of the day, if you noticed, has disregarded the authority of the Bible and has taken it away. So we say we line ourselves up with the Bible, but secular society says the Bible has no authority. We want to line ourselves up with something which has, has lost its value within the world in which we live. You know, they would consider it as just as a simply a religious writing that has no relevance or bearing in modern day culture. So we're going to have to process things and we're going to be pressing to do things that are going to be in conflict and there isn't going to be simple answers. Yeah, I'd love it if there was like, people will come to me sometimes and go, Graham, what should we do about this? Should we, should we, there's not that many rules. <laughs> and sometimes you just go, please just define what we can and we can't do now as a Christian in the world in which we're living in. And each time something comes up, we're going to have to work it through and work it out. So here's your next question, okay, A or B, option A or option B, which I don't think is on the things, but I'll just ask it anyway. A little while ago, a professional photographer in the life of the church, who is also an active Christian, was invited to photograph his first gay wedding, and he said to us, Graham, should I say yes to that, or should I say no to that? Discuss. Yes or no? And time up. I'm not going to get you to answer Okay, it's a struggle, because if you answer A, you say yes without asking questions, and the danger is, am I just assimilating or merging myself with the culture of the day? If I answer B, if I say no, okay, am I judging and separating myself from the community in which I want to bless, even if that culture okay, is a culture that I don't want to identify with? So who struggled in answering that question? I would struggle, and people came up to me at the end and said, what did the photographer do? I said, I'm not telling you. But by ans as even asking the question, a guy called PJ was trying to find the option C. So he didn't want to compromise his Christian distinctives, and yet at the same time, he wanted to engage with the world in which he was living. If he'd simply gone ahead and taken the photographs, there was a danger of assimilating and embracing. And if he had simply said no on the grounds of it being against the rules, danger of being an isolationist. It's hard work, and we need to do the work. Now, just three quick words of advice how to do that is that, well, we need to be cautious and careful. Of course we do. We're living in a day that some people are trying to trip us up and catch us out, so we need to be careful and cautious in how we communicate. We need to be compassionate. 
Okay, we've got to be uh, compassionate. We can't be, I don't believe, coming in going, well, this is just how it is, and you've just got to get used to that, and God's judgment is coming upon you. I don't think that's going to help anyone. Okay, compassion. And then thirdly, we'll need, there'll be need for courage. Because there'll come a moment when we'll need to turn around and go, do you know what, I, what I want to say, I want to say in love, and what I want to say is, how I say is, I want to be careful in not you misunderstanding what I'm doing. But I need to be courageous in terms of what I really believe. Uh, 1 Peter said this in chapter 3. Walk in wisdom towards the outsider. Make the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. We need to do the work. We need to do the homework. Actually, we need to be thinking through some of these things, whether in groups in the middle of the week and just going, how do I answer these questions when I'm, I'm a teacher and being asked this and I'm, uh, uh, I've taken responsibility or I'm, I'm involved in this area and people are asking me these really tough questions. What do I do in those circumstances? See, my observation is that the younger you are, okay, anyone who considers themselves young? Okay, well done, Chris. The younger you are, Okay, either physically, okay, or spiritually. My observations is that it's more natural for you to want to assimilate with the world because you've been more influenced by the postmodern thinking. Okay, the, the standards and the belief and the culture of the day, uh, years ago, you were being enculturated by those who have been set up to enculturate us. It's just how it is. Okay, if you're a little bit older, a bit longer in the tooth, okay, I would imagine my observation is th that you want to separate yourself away. I want to keep myself safe. I want to keep my family safe. I, I want to be in safe. Uh, so over on this side, we've got, I want to assimilate. Everyone has equal value, validity. I don't want to offend anyone. Okay, I, I, you know, everyone's entitled to their own views. I've got my views. Jesus might be my way. He's not your way. You've got to work out what your way is, but he's my way. And I can't tell you what your way is because then that is invalidating your views. Okay, that is postmodern thinking. So you've got over on the other side going, well, I don't, it's all this rubbish postmodern thing. This is just how it is. Let me just tell you objectively what truth is. And we'll dismiss that. But by dismissing it, we're alienating ourselves from the culture in which we're trying to reach. So those who want to assimilate, you need to be more biblically shaped. Those who are want to separate, you need to be more culturally sensitive. We need to find the middle ground. I am the Lord your God who sent you into exile. God has placed us here at this time not to hide away but to be involved and be light on the hill not to be covered up. So there's no point in having a light. There's no point in having a torch if you're going to just go a torch and put your hand over the end. There's no point. We're called to be light and salt into the world in which we're in. So we need to do that. We need to be in community, for community. Be light, be salt. And the second instruction that Jeremiah gave was pray for the city. Uh, do you want to see transformation in our city? The city of Seaford? The community. Then we need to be praying for it. 
and my own experience is when it comes to prayer, it's how little can I do and get away with it? It's a bit like when you go out for a meal at someone's house and, and you look as if you want to clean up the dishes, but you've got no intention of doing that. So you carry a cup and a plate too to the kitchen and desperately hoping that the host will say, oh, don't worry about that, leave that for us, we'll do that. Okay, thank you. Well, perhaps that's just me who does that. Okay. When it comes to prayer, what can I say to look as if I've done my bit? And I think we've been eroded to this understanding that prayer doesn't make any difference. And I think God is really speaking and challenging me. Because I think I've put prayer really as a thing I ought to rather than something that is essential. Essential to do. The society in which we're living in has caused me to doubt the legitimacy of a miraculous God, where prayer is that God is interested enough to listen to our prayers to change the society in which we're living in. He's interested, sufficiently interested in, to respond to our prayers. And it just says, you can't, there's no such thing as a God, there's no such thing as a miraculous God, and it just mocks us and causes us to doubt and to get embarrassed. Do you know what that does? It just stops us praying. If God is not supernatural, there's little point in praying. Society is eroding. I believe that God, well, he doesn't really answer. God doesn't exist, so therefore, what's the point of praying? And we stop praying as individuals, then we stop praying as families, and we stop praying as a church community. This September is the 30th anniversary of King's Church, which you are very much a part of. Okay, It's also your anniversary, 2010. So it will be the 8th anniversary. And so prayer is actually needs to come front and centre, back into the life of what's going on. Up in the level of prayer, up in the level of engagement. So just, just as we're coming into that, see, we need to do all we can to benefit this community, to add the flavour, so that they would notice if you were not here, to bring Christian culture into this society, rather than being enculturated by the current worldview, being sensitive, being wise, being cautious, being courageous, being compassionate to continue to be the salt into the community. If we're not, if we're not willing to do that, then that salt has lost its saltiness, then all it's fit for is to be trampled underfoot, Jesus said. And secondly, let's not hide away or distance ourselves Let's engage and embrace and throw out the light into the community because every domain and every aspect of the culture in which we live needs to see something which is dramatically different from what they've currently got. And if we live with that, live, live like that and live with that heart, say, God, I am here. I am here. Unless you move me on, I am here. Unless you call me home, I am here. I'm here for this town, at this time, for a purpose. Not to live in exile, not to live hidden away, not to climb into some sort of shelter in, in a church building in Staines Road, just down the road. But say, God, I'm here for your purpose and plan. And if anyone's thinking of moving house, move for purpose, not for location. People say it's all about location, location, location. No, what is God saying? What difference can I bring? What can I do to the place in which I'm living in? <laughs> Just as we, let's commit ourselves to the long haul. 
I don't think Amy's in here. Jez is in Turkey at the moment. Not on holiday. Although I keep teasing him. <laughs> I hope you do send him a message and hope you're enjoying your holiday because that would really upset him. <laughs> I'm not on holiday. Just do it anyway. Just, ah, oh, here you're having an amazing time on holiday in Turkey. Uh, it's brilliant. It's taking a bunch of young people out. It's brilliant. It's brilliant for their long-term future, how God is shaping them. It's amazing. Jez and Amy, uh, is Amy, is she down in the kids' work? Not in here. Jez and Amy, they have given themselves to this town. I can't commend them highly enough. Okay, there's other people who have been sniffing around them because they're a young, attractional leadership couple. People will want them. And I was chatting to the guy who gives apostolic oversight to our church the other day. What's happening with Jez? What's happening? You're not going to get them because they've given themselves here. So I want you to rally to them as well because they're an amazing young couple who have said, you know, God has called us for this town. There's attractional cities that would headline. That, hey, here's Jez and Amy, come to the city, and they'd be on the stage and platform, and they'd go, wow, it's amazing, you've gone to this city. And they said, do you know what, we're going to stay in a town of 24,000 people and a place called Seaford, and we've got a few little places, New Haven and a bit in between. And we're going to stay here because this is where God has called us. And I think it's other people saying, I'm getting behind you, I'm on board with that, I'm doing the same thing, I'm not going off to Edinburgh, I'm doing what God is saying to us. <laughs> oh, just operate in the prophetic sometimes, I'm just not, it's just uncanny. That was just a little aside there, not a little aside here, okay. A little aside about Jez and Amy. Rally, get behind them because they're an outstanding leadership couple. So, John, please come and pick up your banjo. As the word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood, the message says, the whole of John's gospel hinges on the word became flesh and dwelt with us whole of the rest of the outworking of John's gospel hinges on that verse 14 in the very beginning. Chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt, lived with us, or message says, moved into our neighborhood. If we're looking for an example of what it looks like to remain distinct and yet at the same time engaged with his community, look at Jesus. And as we break bread now, it's looking at Jesus. How from heaven you came, helpless babe, entered our world, your glory, left behind and gave. Moved into our neighborhood, into our Chinkton, into our Roberts Bridge. Moved into our community moved into our neighborhood. We believe in the blasphemous glory of Emmanuel dwindled to infancy. We believe the invincible one surrendering to incontinence. We believe in the name above every name who is rumored to be illegitimate, who squealed like a baby and grew up with a regional accent. The creator of the cosmos, 
who chose to make tables, presumably badly at first. We believe in the Holy One who had dirt in the creases of his hands, the Sovereign One who became the servant of all, the one who got down on his knees and washed between the toes of his disciples. We believe in the omniscient one who learned obedience, even death, death on a cross. Let's come and break bread together because that reminds us how Jesus moved into our neighborhood about the same time paved a way for a whole new bright future. Light to the world. He's the light of the world. Jesus, we come before you now. We thank you you moved into our neighborhood. Thank you you moved into our life. Thank you even though at times we were completely alien and separate from you. So many beliefs. And yet you didn't abandon us. You didn't lock yourself away. You came to earth from heaven. Thank you you moved in and showed us the way how you now, the light of the world. So as we break bread together, help us to remember that, to see that. And God, I pray that just as Jesus was sent, so you have sent us. The clear recommission by Jesus to the people of God, the children of God, the church, was to now go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And so Father, we recognize at this time that you have sent us us we are a sent people for this town at this time god help us to cross over move into the neighborhood live for you not give up on you not get so engrossed with society that we forget you but that we live lives distinct salt and light into this community because jesus you demonstrated that for your glory amen Let's stand. I think there's stations at the front. If you're unfamiliar with this, if you love Jesus, then we invite you to come and take bread, take wine right now. And remember that he moved into our world.